0: Welcome everyone, I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the Director of the Respect Life Office for the Arts Diocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro Life. Each month, we discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena, we'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is supporting moms and their children, and as always, we have a special guest. Will you please introduce yourself?
1: I'm Betsy J. Quez. I'm the director of Materphilius Queen City.
0: So Betsy, today we're going to talk about Materfilius. We're releasing this podcast very deliberately on December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, one of the big feasts of Mary, our mother. So Betsy, tell us about Materfilius. What is that organization and how do you help moms and their children?
1: Materfilius Queen City is a home that assists women in crisis pregnancy with nowhere else to go. They have no family, they have no friends that could support them in that way. They may be living on the streets of Cincinnati. They may be going from house to house, friends to house to friend's house because they have no good transitional housing. So moderphilius offers them that home for them, for themselves, for the child that they are carrying. And for any child under the age of five that they might also have, that they have custody of, they can come and live at our home for the duration of their pregnancy and for up to eight months afterwards, because we would like for them when they leave to transition into their own apartment or their own home, having all the skills that they need, not only for a job that will support them, but also have the skills that they can be a loving parent.
0: So you don't just provide a home, with a roof over their head. What are some of those more specific things you give to women?
1: Sure. So we offer them if they, let's, for instance, they don't have a high school education and you're going to need that to get any kind of job. We would offer them skills that they need to take their GED exam. We offer them job skills training. It could be nutrition could be a nurse aide anything that would give them job skills to have a job when they leave us in which they would be able to support themselves and this new family that they have we offer them the social skills that they would need for example if they have had drug addiction if current or in the past we could offer them the support that they would need to be drug free to be alcohol free if there has been any kind of abuse in their past, we can offer them the counseling that they would need to overcome that, that would give them the ability to learn to be a good parent and a loving parent to that new child.
0: I would imagine another situation where someone might come to your house might be living with a boyfriend or something who says, if you keep this child, I'm kicking you out or, or something like that. Perhaps that might be another reason why a woman might find herself in need of a home or a place to stay for keeping your child. Does that happen as well?
1: Yes, Bob. That could be a circumstance which a woman would seek matrophilias to support them. Certainly women face pressure to have an abortion, sometimes from the father of the child, sometimes from family members. And if they would like to choose life, we are definitely there to support that choice.
0: So how did you first hear about matrophilias and get involved in this process to bring it to Cincinnati?
1: Well, Bob, an acquaintance of ours, Maria, who actually is from Mexico City, but is living here in the United States, went home to visit, as she would describe it, accidentally ran into the Montefilius house. She was not looking for the Montefilius house, but she ran into it and she began talking with Miriam and she became inspired to come back to Cincinnati and open a home here. She started a prayer group here. They met weekly to begin praying about the ministry, to begin praying that the right team members would be added. After they had been praying for quite some time, I'll say at least a year, Maria tapped Henry and I and asked us if we would, to join the prayer team, but also our Blessed Mother asks that there be a Catholic married couple that are the directors of the house. And so Maria asked Henry and I if we would not only join the prayer team, but also become directors of this new house. We were anxious to join the prayer team, but becoming directors, that really took quite a bit of discernment. Could we do this? Could we give our life to this? The question wasn't, are we pro-life? The question was, do we have what it takes? And Mary as we prayed to her for her intercession, gave us the strength to say yes. From that moment, we joined the prayer team. We were meeting with them once a week. We began a meeting with a business team that began putting the plans together to identify all the resources that would be needed to help care and support these women. And then finally, we began the house search. And again, Mary put us in touch with a wonderful gentleman named Mike, who had this house that he had been raised in. His mother had passed away and he wanted to do something with this house that would honor her and the way she lived her pro-life values. And so this seemed like a perfect fit. And so this is our first house. From there, we renovated the house. We pulled the team together. We pulled all the resources that are required and have opened the house in early October. And so that was the start of it here in Cincinnati. But Mater is actually an international ministry that was started in Mexico City in 2003. It's actually our Blessed Mother's ministry. She brought it to Miriam and Jose Manuel, her husband, gave them all the information, all the directives, all everything that they would need Since then, Miriam has then supported the growth of these homes throughout both South America and North America. And so in fact, six years ago, one opened in Omaha, Nebraska. There's now one in Dallas, Texas, and Miami, Florida is ready to open theirs in about a month. But it's also an apostolate right here within the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. So we have the blessing of Archbishop Schnur to proceed with this pro-life ministry.
0: So you mentioned Miriam. You said she received some pretty specific instructions from her Blessed Mother. So are you saying she had a vision? You want to tell a little bit more about that part of the story?
1: Yes, Miriam received some visits, I guess you could call them apparitions, nothing that has yet been approved through the Catholic Church. Miriam at the time was a nominal Catholic, but the Blessed Mother selected her to share this ministry with, to make this request of, and gave her everything that she needed. In fact, Mary even showed her the very specific house that she was asking Miriam to purchase, to open the first house in Mexico City. But she would come to her regularly and give her directions, give her counsel, really give her that spiritual support that she needed to move forward along with her husband, Jose Manuel, to open that first house in Mexico City. I wanna tell you, her name is Sweet Love of Mary. That is how she came to Miriam and introduced herself as sweet love of Mary. And she even gave Miriam an image of herself. And I just want to explain those teardrops that are on her chest. One is for abortion, one is for euthanasia, and one is for suicide. And she just wants us to understand how those three things bring great grief to her and her son, Jesus. And so anything that we can do to alleviate that grief, and in this particular ministry, to save that baby and that family, she is most grateful for and honors our prayers to her.
0: Did someone paint this image or make this image based on a description from Miriam or something like that? After Miriam
1: saw Mary as the sweet love of Mary, She actually had a statue created for the home in Mexico City that is this image, and that directly reflects that image of which she came and appeared to Miriam.
0: So as you said, those visions have not been officially recognized by the church, but you could say the proof is in the pudding. This was a very successful ministry. It is now international, and it's even moved on to several houses in the United States. So this house in Cincinnati just opened in late October. At this particular time of recording, there are no clients. We call them Matisse, but there are no clients currently in this house. When do you think we can expect for there to be some clients? I
1: think we can expect clients in the house as soon as our blessed mother and her son Jesus identify who that's going to be. We have had some women reach out to us and unfortunately the circumstances were not right. They found other places that would support them. But it could be it could be any time. We are ready. We are prayerful. And we are thankful for anybody that our Blessed Mother sends to us to help prepare as a parent.
0: Since we don't have any clients right now in Cincinnati to talk to, we're gonna to talk to a client in Nebraska. Her name is Marissa. So let's turn to Marissa right now. Welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: My name is Marissa. I am a past resident and graduate of the Mater Feliz program here in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: So Marissa, tell us your story of when you found yourself in need of Montrophilius there in Nebraska.
2: I became pregnant my senior year of high school. I had to drop out in December after I rounded up that semester, and I didn't have the financials. I worked a job only once or twice a weekend, so I didn't have a whole lot of money. I'm part of a very, very big family. So they also didn't really have the financials to take on everything. And I had a lot of love and support from them, but I didn't have the tools and resources I needed to raise a child, a bigger support system. People say that common phrase where it takes a village to raise a child. And I'll tell you what, I can attest to that. You really do need a village to raise a child. Outside of my immediate family, I had a whole other group of people that were making it their daily mission to help women. I mean, I don't think it gets any better than that when it comes to a support system. And I know of lots of women that went through that program that didn't even have the initial support that I did, which was my immediate family. They had no one. So I can't even imagine how amazing it is to get automatically this large group of people, volunteers, directors, the Matisse. dedicating sometimes 24 hours a day their time to making sure that you're safe and you're loved and you're equipped because that's what this program does. It prepares you for the rest of your future with your children, whether it be your first child or your third child. No matter what the situation, they're going to help you. They're going to provide those tools and those resources. I stayed there for a little over a year.
0: That did not even occur. When I thought of someone who needed a resource like Materfilius, I just assume it's always going to be a situation of somebody that just doesn't have family or just doesn't have support in any other way. You have a supportive family, but they just weren't able to provide you all the resources you need, including yes. space to raise a baby. And Montrefilius was helpful to you in that situation as well. So, so you dropped out of high school and then you moved into this house. You're not able to continue to attend classes or just decided you didn't want to do it that way and you got a GED or what, what happened with high school once you entered the Montreffilius house?
2: I made the personal decision to not carry through with the rest of my pregnancy at my high school because when you're 17, it's not a very great situation for you to be in, or you don't feel very comfortable with being around your classmates.
0: Were you going to a Catholic school or a public school?
2: It was a public school. Yeah. Part of the public school program in Omaha. I had decided to get my high school diploma through an online program. So I was very, very close to graduating only by a few short classes. It's a little bit confusing for me because I technically did graduate from there, but I didn't My full finished diploma, I got through a homeschooling online program. We just transferred all of the classes in, and I actually started taking college classes at a community college around December, and most of them were math courses, but I went ahead and started taking a bunch of community college classes before I would plan to go to college because I figured it'd be harder to do it while you have the child. So I was just kind of preparing myself beforehand. So when I went into moderphilias, I did them online. So I was able to do them at the house. I had no need to go out. But if I did, I would have to head to the college, pick up books, attend a tutoring session. But they always allow you that time slot. I mean, there's some form of communication that has to go on so then they know that you're being safe.
0: Use the word resources. What are some of these resources that your family couldn't provide for you that Montefilius was able to provide you? Obviously, they gave you a place to stay.
2: Since it's a big family, it gets pretty noisy sometimes. And you've got a lot of siblings. Raising a child around all of your siblings 24-7 just didn't seem like a very good idea. And on top of that, The environment I was in, typically when you become pregnant, there's a lifestyle that you're living that may feed into some bad habits. For my situation personally, I knew of some habits that I wasn't very fond of that I wanted to cut out completely. And so moving to Materfili's was kind of a clean slate for me. So I had the room to raise my child. I was in an environment that's constantly pursuing growth. And every single day you're surrounded by other women that are pursuing personal growth. And so it's just so much better for you when you do that. And since I'm Catholic, I enjoyed, for the most part, having a chapel. There was a chapel on the first floor, and that helped me out in so many situations, being able to go downstairs whenever I felt like it or I needed a moment with Christ and I got to sit down. And have a personal one-on-one in a chapel all by myself, 24-7. That was one of the most amazing things about that place.
0: So what what was the daily schedule like?
2: Daily schedule, very strict during the weekdays. They want to make sure that you're constantly knocking out your goals and your tasks or activities. So I believe the way it started was you didn't have a specific time you needed to wake up by, but you had to be ready to go by 9 a.m. every morning. Some woman down the hall would wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning to get some stuff knocked out that she needed to because she was really, really busy. I woke up about 8.15, gave myself 45 minutes as long as you're downstairs and ready by 9 to start the day. And then they want to encourage you to either pick up work or school. So I was doing both. I managed to luck out on being productive all the time. Some women didn't have that. Maybe they had a hard time keeping a job or weren't in a position to be doing school or wasn't fit for them. And so they would find things for you to do. We had like a small job that they offered upstairs, small little partnership, I think with Union Pacific to like put together books and you could get paid for that with a time sheet. So that kept you busy. And in the evenings, we always had dinner, I think around six o'clock. And so they typically want you home from school or work before that time. One day a week, maybe twice, depends on how many women are in the home, you would take on dinner duties. And so you would cook the dinner for everybody. And then almost every evening of the week, we always had some kind of class. Mondays were group therapy, which was very helpful. It helped all of the women communicate better their issues with anybody in the household. And then Tuesdays, I think, were spirituality. And we always had either like a Bible study or we went through a curriculum. And then Wednesdays were kind of the same thing, but with a different woman outside of the program. She volunteered her time. And Thursdays, I think it was like a children's curriculum. And so it taught you a lot of lessons about being a mom. You learned about a lot of really cool things like the circle of security. I still remember that to this day because I apply it all the time, but I learned it from that class. And I think Fridays were movie nights.
0: So how long did you stay? How long before you had your baby did you move in? And then how old was he or she before you left?
2: It's a girl, Monica. She's two now. But I moved in, I think, in April, right after Easter. And that was a couple of months before I had her in June of that year. And I stayed for a little bit longer than the recommended time, they typically have you there for, I think, nine months after the birth of the child. I stayed until June of the next year in 2019, so a little bit over a year. And the great thing about that program is even though they require nine months max, they can extend or shorten that time based off of your situation. And so they're going to approach your situation as like an individual separate from any other mom there. And because of my age and because of the amount of resources that I had compared to the other woman, it just made the most sense for me to stay there a little bit longer.
0: So after you have your baby, were they giving you some kind of job training or help to make you get a job that was going to give you the ability to afford your own apartment by the time you left? Or what was that?
2: I went into school full-time at a university. So they helped me approach that problem. Financially, with a uh, scholarship. So, I got a scholarship from a third party Christchild community. And I think it comes in amount of $2,500 a semester. And then, on top of that, I filled out my FAFSA. And so, after all of the transactions went through, I ended up not paying a dime in school because the university that I attend is fairly low tuition. It's a really great school. And so, I'm still at the school now, but I will be graduating in December of next year, 2021. That's a semester short of four years attending the school now. And I'm on track to get a degree now without the college debt that most students would graduate with.
0: So Marissa, where do you live now?
2: I moved back into my parents' house. Most of the time, the women that are there tend to, they get a job and then they move out and get an apartment after they on through the program, I still am not in a position financially to live by myself because I'm doing school full-time. And it was good for me also for security purposes because I was in a situation with the father and it wasn't a very safe situation. So I did move back into my parents' house, but I took more control of my environment. And my whole entire life had changed within that year at So I had different expectations. I had a different lifestyle when I moved back in. And now I'm making the most out of my situation being at my parents. So I'm saving up to move back out and get an apartment soon. I was able to purchase a car and pay it off within a year. And I actually have an internship at Union Pacific now. I'm hoping to land a full-time opportunity when I graduate. I'm keeping on track and I'm still doing everything I need to be doing to reach all of my long-term goals.
0: So, Marissa, I suppose... Since your baby was about a year old when you moved back into your home, was your baby at a stage right in her development where being in a house with lots of people would have been really difficult as an infant, and she was at an age where it was easier to do by a year old? Was that part of why it was easier to move back in with your parents by that time?
2: I had figured out what my typical schedule would look like with my child before I moved back in. And so I was able to take more control of the situation, knowing this is what I need and this is how I have to do it because I've already experienced it. And I know that this is what's best.
0: So Marissa, tell us a little bit then about your faith journey. So you're already Catholic. You mentioned a little bit about having a chapel right there in the building. Where did that go?
2: I know a lot of people that go through their teenage years growing up Catholic can attest to that rebellious stage, which is what I was experiencing When I had become pregnant my senior year, but I had my second conversion when I moved out of my house because I was in an environment where I was able to grow as an individual and decide for myself what I thought would be best with the help of all of these other amazing women. I had the opportunity to ask myself, do I really want to invest in this religion long term? And do I really have a relationship with God? And I was able to distinguish the two while I lived there. I was able to really dive deep and decide on whether or not I wanted to pursue that relationship. And I did. I'm able to now apply my perspective to the family in a much better way. And it's helped me to grow closer to my family. And it's helped me grow closer to God. I want to trade it for the world. (laughs) I've increased my prayer life at home in smaller forms, starting and ending my day with God. I try to do a lot more spiritual reading. And a lot of the women that were there that... Went through this program, they weren't Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic to attend this program or Christian. You can have your own religion, but it's a great opportunity for them to kind of step outside of that realm. I know a woman who didn't have any religion at all, and she's Catholic now. And they don't require you to be Catholic, they don't require you to pursue it. It's open, it's available. And the women that do take advantage of it really do see a difference in their life there's a daycare that's attached to this program. And so we all bring our children back for the daycare. So we still see each other from time to time. And one of them works at a car dealership now and she's doing amazing there with her commission. And so every woman that's gone through that program is still growing, it hasn't stopped for them. And so you can see that this benefit goes beyond what you're doing within that small period. And if you recognize that when you get your foot in the door at first, then it's just an endless amount of opportunities for you.
0: Tell us about your baby. Tell us about your daughter.
2: Monica, she's two. I named her after St. Monica because I love that saint. But she's blonde hair, blue eyes. She's excelled so well in anything and everything. And it's amazing to watch her grow. And that daycare I was mentioning to you, she still goes to that almost on a daily basis. And she's just extremely bubbly, always happy. Communicate so well.
0: For those who are listening on the podcast and not watching the video, you, your eyes and your face so lit up when I asked you about Monica, it was just amazing to see. For how long will you be able to have this daycare provided for you at Montrophilius?
2: The children are provided daycare until three or four, but then they just extended and they're adding a preschool program, like a pre-preschool program, I believe that now they're providing the daycare up until the child is eligible for preschool or kindergarten. It helps out a lot with the financials. It's gonna be amazing for when she goes into kindergarten because she's continuously getting that education from them and going through that program up until she goes into school.
0: Anything else you wanna say about Mater Filius, the importance of this ministry today?
2: Mater Filius is the best program that I know of for women who want to choose love. And I think it's so difficult these days for women to want to choose life over an abortion because abortion is easy, it's accessible, it's integrated within our society, it's recommended. But modern phyllys is such an amazing solution for women who are scared to have the children and who are scared to carve their future out for them. I would say to any woman that were out there that wasn't sure but beforehand or didn't know about it, that I would highly recommend it because. It is going to help you as an individual. They're not there just to provide for whatever. It's a nonprofit organization. You have volunteers who are dedicating a lot of their time just for the good of the people. And it doesn't get any better than that. It's going to become a long-term relationship. I plan to give back when I can financially in the future. I'm trying to now with my time. It's such a great benefit. And it's such a good way to go about your situation if you're not sure what
0: to do. All right, Marissa, well, thanks so much for spending time with us on the show today. Thank you so much. All right, well, let's turn back to Betsy, the co-director of Mater Filius in Cincinnati. So Betsy, why don't you tell us just a little bit about the organization of the house, right? It says that uh, you and your husband are directors, but how many people live in the house? What kind of responsibilities do people have inside the house? That sort of thing.
1: The house itself, while Henry and I are the directors of the house, we do have a house mother and she is called an ema. And that actually is a word that our Blessed Mother Mary gave to Miriam that means mother in Aramaic. So it is what Jesus would have called his mom. So the way the house works, it has the house mother who will live there. And then there is room for three Matisse, and that is who the mothers are. They're called Matisse another word that Mary gave to Miriam. There will be three living there and we will support them in every possible way. So myself as director will be there at least several times a week. Other volunteers will be involved, perhaps to come and cook dinner with them, to teach them life skills, perhaps life skills of house management, of finance management. There will be a spiritual component to the house where we introduce our personal spirituality, but also introduce the idea that you are a child of God. God created you. He created this child within your womb and you are loved by him. And you are loved by every person that comes into this house unconditionally. And we are here to support you and help you become the mother and the woman that God has meant for you to become.
0: What is the, if you will, the religious requirements for this ministry?
1: You don't have to be Catholic to come to the house. In fact, Mother takes any woman in crisis pregnancy with nowhere to go. We won't hide the fact that we're a Catholic apostolate, but we also won't push it on them. It will be there. We will offer that to them. We will live that witness our hope honestly is that they would become interested in that and begin asking questions that we might share our faith even more so.
0: So most of our listeners, we have listeners really all over the world, but the vast majority of them are within the confines of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. If people are out there listening like, wow, this is a terrific ministry. It's pretty unique. What are the many ways people can support Montefilius Queen City here?
1: Oh, Bob, there's many ways that we need your support. First of all, we are supported purely on donations and small grants. So we receive no government funding and we receive no funding from the archdiocese itself. Your donations are critical to help us serve these women in need. You can donate by going to our website. The other ways that we could use support is, we need volunteers there's many aspects of running this ministry. So, of course, we need volunteers right at the house. Yes, we have the house mother there really to manage the house, but the volunteers that we need there are to help witness their Catholic faith to the Matisse. We have volunteers that can help Teach them if they need to get their GED. We might need a volunteer that would be willing to sit down with them and review all the material that they would need to help them prepare for that GED exam. Finances you know, these women come to us, their life is not ordered well, it's disordered, it's in chaos. So Do they understand how to have that ordered life? Do they understand how to care for their finances and manage them in a way that they are able to provide for their family? So it could be a volunteer that would come in and talk to them about that. We also need volunteers in communications to help us with our website, to help us with our mailings, to help us with our newsletters that go out via email. We need someone to help us with social media. We need to get the idea out there of who we are, where this ministry can be found, and who we help. Those are just some of the ways that we could use your help.
0: So, philius Queen City, so the web address is mfqc.org. So, there's the website. If you're listening on the podcast, there's a donate button right there at the top for that. Contact us. If you click on the contact button, you can find the phone number and the email address right there on the screen as well. Another huge need,
1: Bob, if you don't mind if I mention it, is prayer. We need your prayers that we are able to provide these services, that we are able to provide that unconditional love to each of these women. And that the Lord sends the women to us that we are meant to serve.
0: So thank you for talking with us today about some of the many ways we as a church and in our local communities can help women in crisis pregnancy, or maybe are in difficult circumstances raising their young children, or perhaps even help young people avoid making decisions that lead to those difficulties in the first place. Thanks for spending time with us today.
1: Bob, thank you so much for this opportunity to bring Materphilius Queen City to your listeners.
0: I want to thank all our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view more resources talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org/slash-being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.